If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls all over the globe, world, those are the same. I say that all the time. You know who it is and why I'm saying it. Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team, the number one podcast for game development lifestyles and stories and in-depth discussions and roundtables such as these. And I can't sit at a roundtable by myself. I needed some help. I brought with me the guy responsible for all the Tekken 3, Eddie Gordo mocap, Mr. Brandon Fam. Hey, what's up? This is Brandon Fam. Welcome to this month's roundtable session. As usual, these are opinions of ourselves. They may not be true, but they're very strongly opinionated. And with me this week, we have Jason Fetter. What's up, Jason? Fader. Fader. Like Vader, Darth. Fader. And of course, the third unofficial podcaster. Ray Graham, how are you doing, Gray? Hey, what's up? What's up, Ray? All right, let's just jump into these uh, topics here. So we got something juicy, all right? Uh, last we spoke, we were commenting on Mass Effect Andromeda and what a horror show that was. <laughs> and now, within the last month, Kotaki did an expose, basically uh, talking to developers anonymously about what went wrong in that five-year death cycle so uh first thing first uh they uh commented on how they wanted to make a procedural game mm-hmm. all right ray you comment on this what what is your stance on procedural like, well games? that was the first fail right there <laughs> yeah yeah that's right away they know they done fucked up at that point right? <laughs> so i gotta ask this right so we we got a table full of designers and engineers right whenever i hear about procedural environments it usually comes from you guys and not from us <laughs> so what what is this common theme about procedural making it easier on everybody i mean it happens it's happening a lot it means they don't need designers anymore and designers annoy them. <laughs> it's like in theory if we can come up with these 15 different scenarios we can mix and match and make a lot more than 15 scenarios you know what i mean like I remember sometimes it's done well. Like if you ever go back and play like the old Squaresoft games, like Chocobo Dungeon or whatever, it's like, yeah, you know, we just randomly generate these dungeons based on tile sets, right? Like a very simple and very focused execution of the idea of percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to the nth degree where you're talking about ecosystems and factions and like quests, dialogue, narrative content that's supposed to weave in and out and all be randomly generated. Back in PlayStation days, it was like, yo, is there a room with a light on it or is there a room with a treasure box in it? You know what I mean? I guess. The scope for the procedural generated content getting too large is is damning. It will will kill you. Yeah, like we're at the point now where the fidelity fidelity needed is so high that it's like in order to do procedural generation, you still need a ton of content. And then also like just... Just the 
the you can't tailor make it right you can't craft something that just feels nice to play right you have to like hope that your procedural generation system puts it all together nicely right and uh at that kind of level of fidelity that's like a really really hard job so so is it the inexperience that that's talking here when people are throwing out these ideas just people just haven't made one before and just thinking it's just the easy way out yeah, well, I don't know if it's an experience or if they just want, they're dying to solve the content generation problem, right? Yeah. But, like, like if you want to generate content, you need 600 people and, you you know, over this long period of time, it's like, how do we cut down on the expense of doing that, right? I know we could just have the computer do it for us, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Inherently, it's just this, like the small teams are always attracted to this idea, that the computer will generate all these assets for us or, or levels even. And what in the last, what, two, three years we had sci-fi games trying to do procedural generated worlds just completely fall apart. So no man's sky is the big yeah. one. What's the other yeah, one? No man's sky. Uh, what is another one? Well, I think Mo uh, right. Didn't he try to do one with like spore? Yeah. He yeah. tried to do one. This I think that probably started it off to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> this whole sci-fi procedure world thing. Uh, Starbound was another big one. Starbound. Starbound. It's. I didn't know that Andromeda was a procedural world thing well, at first. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, but that's you know, like you, we, you know, we all make games, so you know, like in the beginning stages, everybody's always shooting for the moon, right? Right. <laughs> they shot for a thousand procedural moons, though. That's like <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah. So, like, if if you know, if the listener haven't heard about the story, basically, they set out on making the procedural uh, universe, basically, uh, to step it up. And so, Mass Effect took about three and a half years trying to make things work. Mm-hmm. It didn't, and it, eventually it diluted from uh, infinite worlds to thirty crafted worlds, and then to ten mm. uh, shipped worlds. So that, <laughs> <laughs> and like people on the team were saying, like it wasn't until the last year and a half where they were actually making the game yeah. from start to finish. Yeah. Well, like imagine if they just assumed, like, hey, you know, we're gonna get procedural wrong. Can we find a way to just make thirty really well? And then scope down to 10 that were really good. You know, like, had they have maybe... No, Ray, Ray's saying no. He's like... <laughs> well, well, that's totally, no. well, that's totally that's not them. how it worked, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying, what yeah, if I'm, the scope was like, hey, we want to have a big open world game that has a lot of variety to it. But instead of saying procedural everything, maybe it's just like, can we just really craft and put a lot of detail in like maybe 10 planets and then call it a day? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just. I don't think marketing people like that idea. Um, yeah. I mean, procedural, procedurally, procedurally generated content. The more content you have, the the higher your user retention in theory. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, EA is a big company, and I'd be surprised if that project was primarily controlled by the creatives, and if the business people and the executives in the suits didn't also have a hand in their objectives. Oh, that's a fair point, Jason. Thank you. Yeah. Someone at the table with some reason behind that. Because <laughs> it yeah, was just, just looking you know, at both sides of it. It was just madness to me. I'll just be honest. I was like, having heard that, I can understand, you know, how it can get to that point. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that way when I was just talking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the bigger but the company, f- the harder it is to actually make true change. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. But to be fair, I can't believe if the team didn't have like the initial pitch, right? At least given them idea that we can do this. I, I, I really find it hard that EA would go in the studio without like talking to the team about what they can do and then just laying down the law like you guys will have to generate a thousand worlds and again this is not the original mass effect team right this is like a new team taking on the mass effect franchise so these these are like a new this is you're already dealing with new people working together for the first time taking on this franchise that uh is so beloved uh and and just doing everything fresh on a new engine, right? They're not using Unreal. They're using Frostbite on this one. And then throw on top of that this crazy mix of procedural generated worlds that have, you know, very little teams in the world can pull off. It's like producer you know, were terrible. <laughs> I have to say, it's like whoever made the decision was just well, this not. Is, this is like a typical, like EA is yeah. known for these kind of decisions. You know what I mean? Like my history working there and, and seeing all the games they've made and working on a few games that stunk, right? Like, like I know how they operate, right? And, and also at the same time, right? It's a chance for a producer or is that producer somebody who's this is their chance to shine. This is their chance uh, mm. to, to show that, yo, I can make Mass Effect and make a, a grandiose vision of Mass Effect, right? And, and the fact that, you know, from the Kotaku story, you hear that they, they put the game together a year, a year out, right? Because yeah. somebody else had to roll in and take and take over. Because like EA is right. like, look, this thing is a garbage fire. I mean, they really completely shift gears. Right. <laughs> like you know, like, like this is not so like, true, like yeah. I read that I read that article and it's just like yeah. this is like I'm like yeah, this is how a bad textbook. game this is how a bad game is made. It's it's textbook yeah. how a bad game gets made, right? Uh like a lot of bad decisions and it's just not course correcting soon enough, right? And even mm-hmm. and even this I was talking to this, a friend of mine just randomly and he was like, you know, Mass Effect feels like a game where they wanted to not make it Mass Effect. And then yeah. they realized at the end, oh, we need to put some Mass Effect stuff in here, right? right because right. it just felt unfinished, right? So yeah, like that's just how how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it surprised me that that was their vision yeah. because Mass Effect is a very linear type of game. Yeah. I mean, they may have dialogue trees and all this stuff on decisions, but it's very linear in level scope. Yeah. Like you go from one planet to it's mission by mission. Yeah, but if you want to make your mark, right? You you. You, everybody's complaining that sequels and games are all the same and it's all the right. same stuff, right? You want to try something different, right? And mm. so they actually at least they at least had the ambition to try to do something different. Right. But just didn't so have my the question ability, though, right? my question though is if we look at the idea of we want to take a franchise that's been propped up in Ooh, STEM and expect varsity results, right? Like is that practice even a reasonable or a good business practice? Like, I can't even think of an example where the product that came from the junior varsity team was on par with the varsity version, right? Like, at most, I could say a good enough game came out, but I can never expect to say, like, a better game came out. You know what I mean? So, like, Batman, uh, like, Origins, I did not yeah. think was as good as Arkham City or Arkham Asylum, right? Like, right. it had enough for me to say it's good enough. Right, but it—I don't think it would have topped or got me more excited about Batman. And I was looking forward to when the original company actually took back over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, Mass Effect suffers from the same thing. 
Uh, no disrespect to the team that put that game together, but you know, clearly, not as the users were expecting, I'll just say. <laughs> Any other examples that you guys can think of, or or even just have a. Well, I mean, the industry is filled with examples of teams biting off more than they can chew, uh, mm. being overly confident, underestimating uh, how difficult some new technology might be. I mean, and even even if it's a failure, good on them for trying. I mean, okay. because if we're too afraid to try new things as an industry, we're not going to grow or innovate. And mm. that's when you know that we've lost our way. So, I mean, good for them for taking the risk. They tried. They didn't do as good as people would have liked. But at least they tried. Yeah. Yeah. That's and fair. thankfully, the animation team got the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> the bad press. <laughs> no one talked about anyone else. Isn't that crazy? It wasn't until that article where, like, yeah. uh, the light was kind of shine on the whole team. The animation uh, team was Larry the only and I are also thing that was uh, the main voice actress of the character. Uh, Did yeah. you know that, Larry? Uh, was, which, do you want to say her name? Huh? I, I mean, I don't know. Would it be positive or negative press? We should probably let's okay. not do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect. But I mean, uh, the, the point is, like, we, we have friends that are in the industry. We have friends that know people that worked on the project. And I'm sure that we've all heard, heard stories about things. And the important thing to remember is it's not any single person's fault or even a single department's fault. Yeah. Games are incredibly complex, especially at large mm -hmm. studios. So even if the animations are bad, that may not necessarily be the fault of the animators. Yeah. There might have mm -hmm. been something else at play. So it's it's not fair to really point any fingers in any one direction. I mean, it, mm -hmm. if... If the game is a failure, it's a failure due to everybody and a lot of complex moving pieces. And yeah. I just don't like the blame game that much in this industry. Yeah. The way that I look at it, I, and let me just jump in. The way that I look at it is like, obviously, before a game is released, all you can really go off of is what you see. Because you're only going to get to see trailers or see someone else playing gameplay or see animations. And to your point and your credit, we don't know how long the animation team was given to work on animations, what technologies they had, or who was even running the cleanup pipeline, or, you know, there could have been all sorts of fuckery going on over there. But I guess the reason why the animation team, in my mind, gets the brunt is because when they're trying to hype up the game, all they can do is show us what they've done, and what we could see was, like, poor result, you know? Yeah, yeah like, yeah, definitely the animations are, like, front and center, right? Like, and yeah. the game's, game's built around people talking, and so that's what people, like, fix, fixate on. But it's like, we talked about this, like, before. It's like, it's just so obvious they didn't have time, right? It's, just, it's, it's like, we, we've been doing this long enough. You just look at that game, you're like, yep, they ran out of time, right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, right? And yeah. they ran out of time, and and it's because of poor management and like, you know, it's, it's, it's just textbook. And some of it's in that to talk to article, right? It's just yeah. a textbook. How do you fail at making games? Right. You know, I think the heartbreaking <laughs> part is the customer will never understand. No, they won't. Know. Well, they don't even, they don't even try. Like, well, that's no, that's why that Kotaku article was actually good, right? For like people in the industry, we know what's up. We look at it. Yeah. yeah. I know exactly what happened here. Right. But, uh, but people that don't, you could see that article and be like, oh, right into it, I yeah. understand, I understand. It's it's a team effort and it's a bunch of different factors that cause this, right? Come on, Ray. I'm just saying. Ray, I'm you've, just saying. Seen, Ray you've seen the YouTube comments. That was long before the Kotaku article. And yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. some people are never going to see that Kotaku article, but... Yeah. It, it's good that it, it exists, yeah, right? Yeah, it's good that for it, sure. Yeah. I think 
an understanding between customer and producer for the game industry specifically. I think yeah. we need to be able to share a little bit more between each other of because course. I think fans or customers are starting to get unreasonable expectations of developers. And I've, I work with a lot of disgruntled developers who like who, as they're making stuff for the game, say, fuck it. I don't care about them. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, don't say that. That's it's yeah. the opposite. <laughs> you should care about them. We should take our time and do this right. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I miss those poor smortems in those uh, game developer uh, magazine and stuff. Like right now, you, you gotta wait till GDC to to listen about everyone's like bad stories mm-hmm. about development. But uh, I, I like how Kotaku. I, I wish more uh, blogs would do those type of things and just go into it and. Yeah, and break it down a bit. Let people understand. It would be, it would be, but, it would be great if like EA itself was like, "Here's a postmortem that we make public about how, like, you know, it'd be great if we shared more with mm. the public." Uh, from their perspective, though, I mean, what would they get out of it? Like, put yourself in like a marketing yeah. person's shoes. Yeah, would exactly. Help or hurt their image, yeah. and odds are probably hurt their image. Yeah, but I think I don't think it hurts your image more than the game that got released on the back press. But yeah. Yeah, you probably won't sell less, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it could hurt the image because now you're reminding people that that game existed. <laughs> <laughs> you want it to As die opposed to, like, moving later. on, like, no, 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 let's forget <laughs> about that and focus on this new cool thing coming out. Yeah. All right, let's talk about that, about this new cool thing that's coming out. The original Mass Effect team <laughs> at E3 <laughs> banged out Anthem. Yeah. And it looked like a Destiny... I would have to say it feels more mature type of destiny, like at least the art style. It and it, it, it's it's like a, you're more like an Iron Man suit than a, a space suit or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So how do you guys feel about that? It doesn't matter, man. It's it's it's, it's EA's version of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jetpack, so I'll play it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm getting both Destiny and Anthem. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I think they're yeah. very much so gonna offer me a very similar taste. Sometimes I go to McDonald's, sometimes I go to Burger King. But you know what I get at both places? <laughs> a big burger, fries, and a drink. <laughs> there we go. Actually, I think that's a terrible that's analogy, a right? Brutal. That's a terrible <laughs> analogy. Because of that, yeah. you just you just said the game industry is fast food. So much more than that, right? I hope that no, right? As I was reaching out to fast food as a relatable example oh. for what I was about to say about two very similar games. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, did did Anthem announce anything that would be different from what they shown it was a lot like you're going with three friends and you're raiding together no nothing new uh it seems pretty similar how you travel is a little different right like using your iron man flying style versus uh the only travel that i really say that you can actually do is by racing the little i forget what the hell the little sparrows yeah you have a sparrow in destiny right and you can like mm-hmm cover up the like instant teleportation ship travel because all that is is just a nice loading screen like let's be honest yeah. you're not flying the ship so right. anthem is actually letting you like fly in you know 360 degrees or well whatever spherical you know like you can fly any direction anytime through their world i'm sure there's some like right. height limits well, but uh, yeah like like i wouldn't i wouldn't deduct too much from what the game's actually going to let you do from that demo right 
Yeah, you saw a lot of uh, sorcery, <laughs> sorcery yeah. going well, on. I mean, I'm sure like, that that's I mean, the travel system, though, right? Like, maybe. Like, I mean, like we've been doing this long enough where I can't, I can't say what the game's going to be, right? Honestly, right? Do you think? Okay, let me. I, just I, I know, I know, there will be exosuits. Okay, and, yeah. and the exosuits will be able to fly somehow. Okay, I. Other than that, I don't know anything about the game. Perfect. So what you're saying is, <laughs> it's, it's okay. I get you're saying too early to buy in. They're yeah. in implement exosuit flight maybe a lot like sparrows where once you've loaded into the area that's how you get around the specific area yeah, but oh you're not even yeah maybe yeah yeah i have no i have no idea like the thing is yeah. like those that thing was just you know to get look at these graphics yeah. look how cool this is kind of get the tone yeah, and yeah. hype you and get you hyped right and, I, and then the real stuff will come later right you know oh don't look at the computer that is running on just pretend <laughs> it's a console it's exactly exactly yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's coming from the Mass Effect team that I would say the majority, or at least the leads or whatever, have been together for a while. And I can't, you know, within the industry, we we don't want to discourage each other at all. But I, I feel like they were probably a little happy that, you know, Mass Effect didn't do as well as their other kids. You know, like a little pettiness? Nah, dude, that's just me. Nah, too. all right. All right. <laughs> Let's just say they were just happy that, you know, they tried their best then. Uh, and then, well, I mean, was there anything else at E3 that stood out to you guys? Um, that The Nintendo booth was nuts. Oh, do tell. Uh, it was just really crowded. I mean, I, I think the, the biggest thing from E3 that we might want to talk about is how uh, the public was allowed into yes. it. Um, when yes. I was there, uh, I think the E3 organization, I uh, forget what, what the name of the group is, they made a, a huge mistake in basically putting public attendees badges in these neon green badge holders and then developers mm. in clear badge holders. So you could easily see who was not one of you. Mm. And they could easily see who a developer was. Uh, and so walking down just the, the halls of E3 or even outside, I would see a bunch of green badge holders stare at me, look look, look at my chest because they saw the clear badge. And I would just see all these heads turn because they were just seeing if it was a name they recognized. And I just felt like a piece of meat walking down the street. <laughs> it was such a surreal feeling. Um, and I would say like even on the show floor about... 60 to 70 percent of the attendees that i saw there were wearing green badges mm-hmm. um and it was it was kind of fascinating because comparing the looks on their faces to the looks that uh industry developers had at e3 is a night and day difference like most mm-hmm. industry developers they look tired they're looking at things they're not really in a hurry they're not excited whereas the guys in the green badges it's like they're at comic-con uh mm-hmm. they're, they're they're enjoying all these cool games they've never seen this stuff before it was a lot of cool positive energy um but it was just different it, it's not really the e3 i remember it's kind of transforming into something else and it's it's kind of strange i'm not sure if it's a good move or a bad move it's it's too early for me to really see i'll need i'd need to see what they do with e3 next year and and how they address some of these weird quirks and problems like uh yeah like i i mentor some kids out here and like some of them went down um to e3 and like you know their twitter pictures and their facebook like they were having a blast right and that was like Mm -hmm. super like it, it really made me feel great, like seeing them so excited about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, and I, and people keep saying, like, oh yeah, you know, we're letting the public into E three. Like, I remember, yeah, the public used to be led into E three, but that was like nineteen ninety eight, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like that was a long time ago. Uh, so, so it's 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 good to kind of go back to that, you know. 
Um, I think back then it was like they, they they allowed them to come in like one day out of the three or something like that. I can't remember. But yeah. It's, I think it's a tough call, right? Because when you have it so that the devs can just go in and do their thing, like, are we, are we buying games from each other? You know what I mean? Or is it just like they're going to put up this whole entire event just to talk to Target and Walmart and that's it? You know? That's what it originally was, but yeah. I mean, it's been changing over the last 10 years and I think it still needs to find its way. Yeah, I think I will say that I didn't go this year, but I would imagine that had I been there, like getting the hot girl at the dance treatment like Jason got, I would. Uh, I wasn't that. It, it was more than like, oh, who are you? Do we know who you are? Oh, we're not. Not interested. Keep keeping talking now. Oh, it, was, it was seeing their lack of interest after they saw who I was. So it wasn't a show of the hot girl treatment. It was more like, I don't know the ugly girl with big boobs where they like <laughs> look at my boobs first and like oh that's cute and then they see my face like nah no thanks oh man <laughs> oh man. yeah I, okay was, let's 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 reel it in i don't want to object it was giving me self-esteem well jason at least you were safe right so one thing i did read about e3 is how security was really lacking and yeah. i think goodness or uh gamer counterparts behaved themselves and didn't create a disaster because there was a lot of people and a lot of people were unchecked going to e3 and it could have been really bad mm-hmm. um but you know we're only armed with bad smell and bad hygiene so thankfully <laughs> oh man the smells this year were much worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I, I think the consumer thing they're still figuring it out i'm i'm actually glad because for a while i feel like uh e3 has lost its identity a bit like it didn't know what it wanted to be but at least the consumer letting uh gamers and the industry grow a bit more from these events it's great because like uh what gamescom is the Euro- europe's version of it and they do it really well so i wonder if there's you know what's the biggest difference or what what, what are they doing so great over there that yeah. we're not doing over here on e3 well just beer more space what's was, was it a spatial issue was it a you know lack of things to do or just lack of just crowd management you know I think it's a lack of understanding about how the format of it should be. Um, It was almost like E3 was trying to be PAX, but they didn't really know what made PAX so special. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it was like they didn't get it. Uh, And also the booths were set up like they were last year, where there would be lines and lines to go try out a game for maybe three minutes, but you'd be waiting in line for one to two hours. and. That kind of stuff is very disappointing to the end user. And I I think it's just going to be stuff that they need to learn over time, which is just how best to format it for the audience and who their audience really is. Because I think even the developers that stood at booths underestimated just the volume of of public badge attendees and and where where their interests would really be. That's why the Nintendo booth was just packed. I mean, shoulder to shoulder, you couldn't get through. They had the the voice of Mario there. He had a big crowd on him. Nintendo was showing off some really strong games. Um, But it was it was not, either it was not a pleasant experience for anybody just trying to get around in the expo floor. It was just way too crowded and just the lines were nuts. All right, here we go. Here's my free idea to E3. And I shouldn't give them this for how bad I was treated that one year, but I'm going to anyway. Like, everyone has smartphones. I'm pretty sure that 99% 99% of people's phones can recognize a QR code and like load up a private website. If you have a long ass line, just have like somebody walk down the line with a QR thing that they can take a picture of and watch exclusive line content. You've got a captive audience, right? 
I'm sure everyone has a cell phone. So like, this is a video you can only see here at E3. It's like 30 minutes or 40 minutes of yada, yada, yada. Watch it. You're going to be in line anyway. At least it's more enjoyable and you feel like you're getting something out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not a physical asset. It's, you know, it's like, it's on the web. Fucking do it. Make it bearable. I don't know. That's. I think that could work, right? Like, that would at least help. Yeah, I think, think stuff like that definitely helps. You, you look at amusement parks like Disneyland and stuff, they have stuff to see while you're in line. So it's a joy to kind of wait in line and look at the, the museum they have set up before you get on the ride. It's, they just need to pay attention to these well, things. <laughs> yeah, I thought you guys were going to see something like some sort of sign up, like an t- actual time slot sign up. That would be. Oh, that, way, that's too fast pass. Yeah, that would be way more interesting. So, like, sign up, yeah. sign up for five o'clock and I'll be back in like four hours, right? Like, exactly. Like, I think that would work too. Just letting people have realistic expectations, right? If I stand in line, I want to know it's going to be five hours from now or whatever. I can deal with that. But if I stand in line and like eight hours pass by and I still don't get to play, I will not come back. I was, I was hearing, I was hearing from some of the people I know that went, like it was like, there's lines that are three to four hours long. Right? Yeah. It's too long, man. It's only a three day event and you're, you're only playing for like a couple minutes. So and I went to yeah, E3 just long enough to wait in line and be told to cut. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, my, my gut is telling me that if they have an attendee problem and it's too crowded, there's and they have a huge space, which is the LA Convention Center that has multiple floors, uh, they could take a page out of PAX's playbook and start having panels. I mean, you have a lot of developers concentrated there. Start there having go, panels yeah, where they talk one. about the games. Then you get the attendees off the show floor, get them sitting down in rooms, and then it's an enjoyable experience because then they actually get to see the people that are making the games and fanboys at them a bit and then have a Q&A and stuff and I mean then the, the having public attendees makes more sense then the developers don't feel as jaded because they don't have enough room to walk around the expo floor because they can also go to these panels and hear other developers it's then just a celebration of development that, that's a great idea man I always feel like GDC those type of events are kind of just congested in one week and then like you have YouTube content that comes in afterwards but it's basically once a year if we could spread that out more throughout the year and at events like E3 and stuff, I think there would be more exposure for the developers, exposure for the game, learning more about games, wanting to become a developer, exactly. not just about playing games. I think that would be huge, just growing the market. Yeah. That's a great idea, yeah. All right. So that's E3. Let's put that in the bag. <laughs> And then let's take out the foot fetish that Larry wants to... Yeah, so, all right. So this story broke today while I was at work, and it might be a little weird for the content that we normally cover, but I'm going to get to why I think we should talk about it. So Call of Duty pro commentator kink shamed over foot fetish. I won't say the name because I don't believe in this kind of stuff, but I'm just going to get into it. Basically, this individual's private life and personal interests kind of came to light, right? Like... He's being held responsible, apparently, for like, hey, I like looking at girls' feet, I'm assuming. Somebody close to him who had had private conversations with him pulled a Rob Kardashian and just dropped all the pictures. (laughs) And this dude now has to apologize for like, hey, I think girls who have pretty feet... You know, is a nice thing. It's just like I said, so I'm not going to act like I've done all the research. The whole reason why I brought this up is like, 
we're in an age where people have access to you online through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And like, if you do anything that upsets the public, it's as if they own you. And then they go to town trying to just bring to light any little piece of dirt or information that they can to try to control you or, you know what I mean? Like to lash out against, right? Like you can't be an individual who's a game developer or you can't be a Call of Duty pro commentator, apparently, if somebody thinks it's weird that you like looking at girls' feet. Like, I'm assuming he held himself at high class and shoutcasted these Call of Duty events like none other. That's why he had the job in the first place. But yeah. apparently, you know, he, he had to step down because he brought shame to his family's name and he's got to go take karate <laughs> classes now. You know what I mean? Like, this, this. All right, First of all, I want to say there's nothing wrong with feet. All right. If you guys are into it, more power to you. It is a shame, though, that this guy isn't able to continue his career mm-hmm. right because he pulled off uh you know all, all his social channels and everything mm-hmm. he, he's like he's out of it now because of this yep. that's not yeah well i think he'd probably be back this waiting for everything to die all the madness the stupidness <laughs> to die down right yeah all the feet uh, talk goes away yeah. he'll he'll now go by his full name instead of his like zach blas <laughs> he'll actually just be like you know full name <laughs> i almost yeah, said yeah. it i almost said it um, but here, here's another reason why I brought it up. So there's a, a female game developer friend of mine, and I'm not going to reveal her identity because she already went through enough. She worked on a canceled game, right? And I think she put like on her LinkedIn or on some sort of like, you know, job aggregation site that she had worked on said product. So sleuths who are like really hype about this game that got canceled, just looking for any sort of detail, started digging through all her personal, like everything and like hacked her email accounts and was looking through her emails, trying to find out information on this damn canceled game and exposing information that they found, which was then in a way, like almost holding her liable for the information that was exchanged privately. And she's like, I'm just trying to get a job, right? Like, why, why is this? Why do people own my life? Because I got a job working on a game and the game didn't come out. You know what I mean? I guess that's kind of why I would even bring up a topic like this is that it goes to that, like, public expectancy of like, oh, you know, you work on a product and that product's not coming out. I really wanted to know about that product. Fuck that you're a person and you have a life and I could screw you over by doing that. I probably wasn't going to play anyway. You got canceled. Or maybe they would have played it, but you see where I'm going. You know, it's, it's, it's a frustrating story. It's a tough issue. I mean, and I think that we're just going to see more and more of this as we get uh, higher profile and more public figures in the industry. It's it's unfortunate, but we need to remember the internet has everybody that you can think of, including jerks. And jerks will always find a way to tear somebody down, like going back to the whole foot thing, and, and find a way to just do things that are unsavory. Um, and even if, if you work on a game, I mean... Th- we're all going to be targets if, if we're not already. And you, you have a choice. Um, and I guess this is actually going more back to the foot guy. Um, you can you can try to backpedal and, and save face and be as politically correct as possible, uh, which is one extreme. Or you can embrace uh, your own quirks and and just go fully down that route, which I think is what Notch does. Uh, he's a self-proclaimed gamer gator. Not that there's anything wrong with that or the other side. I, I tend to be completely unopinionated with both of that stuff because uh, it, it just seems like uh, a mess from both ends. Um, yeah. I hope it didn't infuriate both sides of it. No, I just mean I'm impartial. <laughs> Switzerland, Switzerland. <laughs> you got uh, no teams. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's that kind of stuff that 
it, it's silly that I even need to say that um, yeah. as a developer that I need to say I'm not taking sides mm -hmm. because that's that's the era that we're living in now where we are so afraid to share our opinion because of that backlash that we then need to almost have a minimal personality that we need to shelter ourselves and self-censor. I mean, I'm sure it's essentially what politicians go through on a daily basis, where they need to spin a lot of things about their lives, be as politically correct as possible. And it's it's not something that's going to go away because that's probably just what happens when you just have more of a public profile image of things. Man, it's like jail. <laughs> no, seriously, like just to think that like I'm on call all day, right? Like no matter what I do in my personal or private life, it could lead to messing up what I do to make money. So... Like, yeah, like, I don't even know, like, like, I think you choose that to happen a lot of times, yeah. you know, like, like, when, like, when this foot fetish thing comes out, the dude could have just been like, look, I like feet, like, what's up? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and just go about I, I would change just, my tag uh, name to Foot Lover, yeah, yeah, just sponsored by yeah, just Razor. Yeah, your, your daily life, be like, yeah, I like feet, what's up? Right, you know, like, maybe the way he reacted was a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, like there, you guys found out that I like feet. Now I must go to the dark corner. Like, like I don't understand. Please don't write an article about me. People, yeah, Please. people need to. People just need to grow up, man. Like the internet is just full of a bunch of jackasses. You know? Yeah, so. I think the thing is, if you do cave into these bullies, man, that's when you that's blood in the water. They they're going to attack yeah. because exactly. their attacks against you will elevate them, and that's yeah. also part of their goal. Yes, they, they, they find something new, newsworthy that can build up their followers. That gets them more attention. Everybody's just trying to play some kind of a weird, twisted game. It sucks. Mm -hmm. But that's apparently how social dynamics works these days. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, there could have been financial incentive into why this was leaked or why this came out, right? Like, it could have mm -hmm. started as a blackmail, and the dude was like, I like feet, what's up? And she's like, okay, I'll show you what story. You know <laughs> what I mean? If I had like, a time machine and unlimited power, I would go back in time and completely abolish and sabotage the technology that tracks page clicks. Oh, if man. we did not have that technology on the internet, we'd be living in a much diff more different environment because there would be less incentives for eyeballs impressions and mm -hmm. and like people just trying to get more page views clickbait crap yeah. i mean we we would have probably better content on the internet as a result yeah. we'd be better people 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 no, people still be jackasses oh like, like, find a way we, to be we, jackasses we, but, we were, but but at least yeah, us we were, foot lovers yeah, don't we have were, to hide in closets beings, right the jackasses long before the internet right like uh, and, and terrible people and oppressors and, and taking people's life like doing all sorts of crazy evil stuff We've been doing yeah. that long before. We'll, we'll always find new ways to do it. That's just yeah, how. Yeah. This is how we roll. It, like it reminds me of paparazzi, right? And, and maybe we talked about this before, but I always hate it when like a damn paparazzi is like, "Oh, here's this celebrity's life being ruined, and I'm here with my camera. Let me get all this great footage yeah. of this like kid." being crying while the parents are getting divorced but the parents are famous so this is gonna make me money and then like one of the two people runs to the camera like cut that shit off can't you see it's tearing my family apart and they say i'm just doing my job man i'm just doing my job don't get mad at me yeah Dude, fuck you and your camera well <laughs> we blame the paparazzi but we really don't have anybody else to blame except ourselves they the wouldn't they wouldn't be content. making money off of these photos if there wasn't a demand for it yeah. if they weren't getting paid for it if they weren't being printed in magazines so i mean you're you're blaming the gun when you should be blaming the shooter oh i'm blaming oh, I'm, no 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 i'm not mad that people had pictures <laughs> i'm not mad at that at all i'm mad at the fact that like even if there is a demand right if you 
sure there's people out there who want to Enabler. buy heroin right now exactly yeah. that doesn't mean that like if i go and sell drugs i'm gonna be like yo cops you busted me with all this heroin but look it's really the fiends man it's i <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i i do i do understand what you're saying that like the demand does drive the interest but i also don't like the fact that like people willingly know that and then go and fulfill like such vile requests or i don't Agreed. know that's all i guess that's where i was going with it yeah i mean this is this is just one of many type of uh stories where uh you know community uh employees for the company or, or whatever something's said in, in a tweet and people get fired over it because of the repercussion and stuff it's, just, it's been happening a lot yeah. uh in the last few years in the game industry it's just you know What's- social networking is so important now where impressions is just everything to a company now this round table is getting super depressing please tell me there's a happier topic coming up next <laughs> well okay. when all i right, saw right. Well, when i saw foot fetish man i didn't think it would go this way <laughs> i was kind of happy i was like finally someone else no, look i'm just being about. real i'm just being real it, it touched i touched on this one because i knew it would lead into a couple of things that i did want to talk about and like I just want to say to the public, game developers are people too, right? Leave Britney alone. No, it's like, <laughs> we're just people who go to work and we make games, but we still come home and like do the same things that other people, we still want to have privacy, right? Like we still want to be able to enjoy our lives. And I feel like if you disagree with a product, you shouldn't want to see every person who worked on that product die. You shouldn't want to dedox their accounts or like snoop through their emails, private emails to find information on a stupid piece of software. Right, come on, man. Like, please tell me your life is better than I'm going to ruin other people's lives because I'm upset that XYZ product didn't happen and I'm going to find out. Anyway, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's let's get into the good news, uh, Brandon. There is some all right, good news. Good news. Good news uh, or maybe crazy bad news for other things. Uh, Oculus Rift today on Newegg is half price off. That's $400. Uh, for which the Rift is a and huge, touch yeah, controller. Yeah, for the Rift and the touch controller. So awesome for us, but what's happening? Your guys' take. They have a I new version coming out next year. Oh, damn. There we go. There we go. So they're just trying to get new units out. I mean, old units out. And then uh, that's, that's yeah, what, what these units. hardware vendors tend to do. Whenever they have a surplus, they, they need to push that out because they have a new line coming out. Yeah. Also, I think it's also like, like you said, surplus, right? I think it's also yeah. like, Hey, this thing ain't selling. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So like we, we, yeah, we need that. We have to do something. Yeah. We gotta get well, here's what I can say. If it's either of the two, that's great for the people who are excited about VR and aren't in yet, because either of those outcomes is beneficial to both the VR industry as a whole and to people who are looking to get in, but haven't done it yet. Yeah. So that, that's, that's a good news. Good news for me. Yeah. Well, is it is it good news if these? Uh, I mean, Facebook started this whole phase right with mm-hmm. the VR stuff, and now they're the ones that are dropping their units prices so quickly, and there are surpluses everywhere for them. Like, are they suffering from? Well, keep in mind, Oculus is not just hardware; it's also a software platform. They get mm-hmm. exclusives. They have their own launcher, like Steam. That's something that HTC Vive doesn't have going for them. So Oculus having a discount and pushing more units also means they're going to get more users on their platform. Yeah. Well, HTC Vive kind of has that with Steam, right? Like, yeah, Steam is but Steam also there. supports Oculus. It's an open yeah. system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they wanted to say something that was HTC only, they definitely have people that 
will find their games through Steam. Yep. Sure. Right. Yeah. But here, I guess here's where I'm excited. As a person who delves in uh, making VR games, hey, more people out there that can buy my game. Do I care if Oculus made the next iPhone or not, which is what they thought they had, in, or if Facebook had the next iPhone in Oculus? Eh, but more that's great for me because that's more people to sell my game to as a little indie dev, right? Uh, more potential players to play some of these games I bought with, like the Star Trek game. I, there's more people who can be my bridge commander and my <laughs> weapons specialist and my engineer or whatever. I don't know. I haven't played it yet, but I'm excited oh, it's about so it. Well, it's good if you're a huge nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. But, like, uh, so this is this would be the first uh kind of like a sequel hardware right for for a, a vr headset kind of you mean the second gen yeah yeah the next gen headset like so what does this mean are, are the games all going to be backward compatible for this oh i think they'd have to be, for right? sure yeah so I, what's the point of upgrading is this a cordless so that's sexier hardware that's that one thing? of the major steps that all of them could take is if they can go wireless uh, second, obviously, the easiest thing to say is you know bigger or faster hertz or a better screen, better resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's like the usual suspects, right? Like, oh, the other one is cameraless tracking. Everything is tracked internal in the device. So if if they tackled that as well, that means the hardware could potentially be less expensive or at least require less space. You know, it's more portable. Like I can just take my laptop to the library and just use it in the library or I could take it to your house or I could take it anywhere where there's room and not feel like I have to bring like my rig and like all this extra shit, right? Like, Oh, the camera sensors and the stands and all that stuff. So I think if they can handle all those issues in a version two, that would be great. Now to point to what Jason said, if this price drop is because what Ray is saying, shit ain't selling, (laughs) Then what my fear is, well, we won't, we might not even get to see all of those upgraded features I just talked about if it's not selling. Because you know, why would you spend more money to make a product that's already showing the execs that is failing? Yo, it's Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> like they got money, man, and 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 they and they're invested in making it work, right? And mm-hmm. so they're, they're they're they already said, you know, on record, like we got, you know, it's a ten year plan to make money on this thing. So, so doing version two is is like it's just the next thing to further the platform, further yeah. the technology, right down that road that they want to go down. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know when it, the bailout point is. I don't, you know, but like they they are invested in making it work. You know what I mean? Dude, I hope you're well, right. The man. thing about I hope you're right too. But like Facebook VR has been like um, scaring me a bit because uh, you know the Oculus. Um, the story the pixar studio right they won they won an oscar for their movie and, and then they closed down, down and it shut down yeah. i mean how much more no, no. does facebook need to to prove its point no that makes that makes perfect sense right like you no know, because <laughs> no, when they did Heartless. no when they did the press release they said it in the press release they're like what yo making content costs a lot of money and a lot of time <laughs> we rather pay somebody else to do it um, right. That's so that's basically what, yeah, that's basically what they said, right? They're like they're like, you know, yeah, it's cool and everything, but that's that was an expensive studio with a lot of hard hitters, Emmy winners, right? They're like, you know what? We could pay other people less on the outside and not take all the risk. Right? And you know right. what that leads to? Life of Pi part two. Really <laughs> shut down again. That's the same thinking, like, yo, we got all these great people making this great stuff. 
We should pay other people less. Yeah. Yeah. Because like they're like they're like we don't have to pay benefits. We don't have to do you know like there's a lot of overhead in having an internal. Sure, but you're talking about Facebook. They have billions of dollars, and they're trying to like create credibility with a new platform. And is that the best move? It's like, hey, they just won an Oscar. All right, let's shut them down. (laughs) It's like obviously it was working too well. (laughs) But the goal was just right. So they hit their target on the first run, which is they produced oscar winning like top quality content and they show that it's viable on their platform they don't have to support it anymore so like i guess kind of a co-signing co-signing what ray is saying regardless of the expense right like i don't think facebook wanted to be in the business of we want to own our own pixar they want to own oculus and make that a viable platform they went out and made a project that does kind of prove that and push that boundary for other people to carry the baton. Now, I guess yeah. I would have, I would have gone with that and be like, Oh no, no, we just look, we just wanted to show potential, right? We're not shutting yeah. down the studio because it failed. We, we met our goal. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if it's that, but it, but it's definitely like it's economics, right? It's just like, yeah. yo, like we could, we can make, we could still hit all our goals and like, you mm-hmm. know, push the platform forward, nice. making interesting content. But we could just spend way less doing it and contracting that out. Oh. Right. Well, yeah. I'm just gonna say that that piece of news came out after Zenimax took like about 500 mil. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very suspect that suddenly they had a change of heart, right? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying right now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I hope if it is true that you know they're just clearing up the space for their you know next gen headset, that it's great if they're moving more units and they got to get up on that chart anyway. So. For them, it's a win-win. Version two, zero percent stolen tech. They got to wash, wash that off them. No, I'm just kidding. It's just I, I have no idea. There's good people working at Oculus, so who knows what they're up to? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of looking for them to push it a little bit more again. I mean, they came out with the Oculus obviously during the Kickstarter days. Uh, they're doing cool stuff. You know, the Touch is a better controller than the Vive controller, uh, but as far as like leaping over the competition, they haven't done that yet. Like they haven't really shown anything quite new. So hopefully the second headset kind of just blows everyone out of the water. It's good news for everyone if they do that. So I hope the next one is VR AR. Uh, HoloLens, yeah, uh, Microsoft. Yeah. That's their big thing. Yep. I think. Do you see Oculus ever doing that though? Good. Oculus is not going to follow suit with that. Well, here's the thing. I think if you could do like really high fidelity AR, I won't say for cheap. I'll just start with if you can do it, right? Like I think you will make waves in the tech industry because I see AR being completely like. If I saw a great example of AR, I could just see that blowing up worldwide yeah. that to me yeah. would be the new actually, iphone actually speaking speaking of ar and the new iphone like what happened recently too was the whole wwdc and the reveal of ar kit right yes uh and that's quite frankly that yeah that was probably the most impressive ar set of ar demos i've, I've ever seen yeah uh like like stable image stuff not jumping all over the place mm-hmm. no tracking required like you know no like special cards and mats and all that nonsense right yeah, yeah, like this this straight up oh yeah you know that's a table i got it and then yeah. you know it's 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 and it, and doing it in such a way that apple does where, where stuff is super easy to use super clean 
like like that that is actually a big leap forward for and, and immediately immediately after wwdc there's been all sorts of crazy ar demos that, that have been popping up on the internet uh so it's it's yeah it's so, yeah. Mark that my words, guys. That is dope. That, that sounds dope. Yeah. What's what's the CEO name of Apple? What's his Tim, Tim Cook? Cook? Yeah. That's good news for Tim Cook because you know Apple's been hurting. <laughs> I feel like they've been was, what? lagging, dude. Apple's been hurting. No, way. no lagging no. in the phone business. What are like you, no one look. What are you talking? What are you? Samsung has been whooping their ass <laughs> the last couple. Dude, of- no, dude, no, I dude. think I'll say this. <laughs> Apple hasn't been doing Apple numbers. Yeah, what are you doing? Apple I'll numbers. say that. I can. What say are you that. guys? You guys need pay. That. You guys need pay more attention to the financial results but you need to pay more attention but, to the bank account no seriously like this is nonsense i'm hearing right like straight up like, it's it's no. not factual at all right like no. like that's how we all feel about it yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. however the reality is apple is just fine <laughs> Speaking from Ray, yeah, come him on. looking at his stocks every morning. No, man, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Apple's doing even, just fine, guys. I'm not even. I'm not even trying to be an Apple uh, apologist, right? Like, but like, come on, like, like, like. I mean, the financial results alone tell you. No, they're not. They're yeah. not dying, yeah, right? Yeah. But as far as, I guess they didn't. They don't have the power, it feels like. Like, not everyone's talking about the next iPhone as much, right? They're not talking about the next features of iPhone and what Apple's up to anymore. It's, like, pretty fair along with Samsung and how they're fighting. Again, it's like it's a real competition now where Apple was just killing them every time. Yeah. So, Well, I mean, I, I think Samsung had they, the whole issue of, like, phones, like, being exploding. banned from, from airplanes and stuff, right? Like, I mean, yeah, that, that was yeah. a pretty big PR disaster. Right, <laughs> right. right. So they got a hit from that. But like if a iPhone came out with all the AR stuff, I would be back on the iPhone. Wagon I mean, an iPhone has the AR stuff right now. Like that's what yeah. they showed at WWDC. You can use yeah. an iPhone and do AR stuff right now. It, it's right. here, right? Like that's why I'm saying that's a big deal, right? Like that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Uh, so like, and, and I, I need better just, feature on the phone. And with, <laughs> and, with, and, with Apple, and with how Apple does things, they always do things incrementally, right? So right, they're right, like, they're right. Like, yeah. Oh, here's the AR kit, and then oh, yeah. here's the thing that could use the AR kit, and it's dope, right? Like that's how they yeah, operate, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. You ready? I'll wait for a couple more. You ready for another one of my Swami ideas? <laughs> What's up? Angry Birds AR. You're welcome. Like that's <laughs> that's it. That's how you. Well, that's that, how you get everyone to use it and understand. Like yeah. like they're already familiar with the product, but it's a new technology yeah. that they're gonna want to try out. They'll fall in love with it. Yeah. yeah, like if, if Ravio and Apple team up and deliver that, that would be the boom that I was waiting for. Well, Ravio needs it, right? Because they've been <laughs> haven't they been hurting? I, they lost, like to, uh, they I lost a lot. Clash Royale overtook them yeah. for like number one game. I don't know if it's for the most time yet, but I think Clash Royale is probably getting close to overtaking yeah. them as the highest grossing number one game for the longest. Time. Right, right, right. Yeah, Clash Royale is insane. Yeah. Well, those are that. That's the topic for Oculus. We have one last thing we want to talk about, and Larry, maybe you can lead us on this GT Online. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Let's just let's just. I want to. I want us all to weigh in and do some predictions. Will we ever see Rockstar Games releasing standalone DLCs again, or has GTA Five Online kind of shown us the new blueprint for what they plan on doing as far as new content being rolled out? So if you played GTA 4, right, after you beat the game, you had like what, the Lost in the Damned, 
and like uh, the Ballad of Gay Tony and all these other like expansion pieces of product that came out. There was more single player story and lots of fun. At this point in GTA 5's life, if we were following a similar suit, we should have already seen, you know, some sort of like single player story content update. But we don't. We see lots of content for GTA 5 online because that game, the online stuff that they've been doing has been killing it so much that GTA 5 is damn near still a full price game. And it's been out for how many years now? What is it? Two years? Two years. And they're still topping like the top 10. People are buying freaking shit cards like crazy. And it's like, have we seen the end of, you know, additional single player content from Rockstar is, is online expansions of like little micro content for multiple players. The new thing that they're only going to stick to. Yeah. So GTA for me is the, is the best case scenario for like procedurally, uh, driven mm. games to look at. Yeah. Uh, they're not procedurally, procedurally driven, but they're open world game. They're like the OG of open world games of like unlimited content, right? Yeah. If you do it right, you can sell a shitload of copies uh, without having to worry about insane amount of content creation. Of course, not every team wants to make yeah. a game like that with 500 plus people, but maybe you shouldn't try to make a game like that without 500 plus people is the yeah. lesson. To, yeah. right? But moving on to the GTA Online, like, you know, it, it wasn't enough for them to kill it at the standalone disc game. I mean, they're crossing, they've crossed 80 million copies sold uh, on GTA 5. But they just, in, they just really killed it with the online stuff. Like, and this is like their first real try at it. Mm-hmm. And they've just been keeping the interest going. So, like, when GTA 6 comes out, I, yeah. it's going to break records because, you know, that whole audience is just going to move over because yeah. they've been playing it for the last five years. GTA 5 is the new wow. Yeah. And, like, I, I, I give them a lot of how are they, sorry, how are they monetizing the online stuff? Are they, Shark cards. they sell a lot of You can them. buy currency yeah. okay. like when you need money. And money is hard to come by in GTA 5 online. Unless you're, like, set already and you have a group of other people who are set. Yeah. You're, you're either buying shark cards or, you know, performing right. back alley unmentionables. Yeah. So, so, so micro, microtransactions. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Yeah, they're making mad money. So... My thing is that, you know, I feel like they were the first of the AAA studios kind of ditching the whole DLC idea mm-hmm. as, uh, well, not like as in, um, you know, coming out of with, with a sequel every three years. Like or whatever. a paid Obviously, standalone DLC. Yeah, yeah. That and like just having to come out with a sequel, right? Obviously, they're like every five years they make a game, right? Right now they're already past five years. But that's why I was kind of surprised with Destiny coming with Destiny 2, even though, you know, it looks great. But I feel like that era is like it's slowly dying. Like why why do we need it unless there's like a huge hardware jump? Mm-hmm. Uh there's really no need to have a number two or three. Just have it downloadable for a smaller price and you can carry over that that audience you've been building up. It's more it's more what I would feel um, a lot of software should go for nowadays. So there's a concept that's getting a lot of traction and it's almost turning into a buzzwordy term called games as a service. And that's primarily what GTA is, is transforming into. I mean, DLCs, yeah, it made them a bit of money, but turning their game into a service is making them a stupid amount of money. And when given the option of like, do we want to make a little amount of money or a stupid amount of money, they're choosing a stupid amount of money. So, 
we may not even see a GTA 6 as we imagine it to be, because it, it's just not financially worth it for them to make a full single-player campaign. Instead, what we'll probably see is either GTA Online transforming as a standalone free-to-play experience as a service, or, or something new entirely where Rockstar just merges a few of their worlds. So we're getting Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out pretty soon. The thing after that, they might try to make that a, another game as a service. Would you like to have a GTA Online-style experience in the Red Dead universe where you can be a cowboy building sure, up your yeah. stuff, getting your posse and, and like going to fight outlaws or be an outlaw and yeah. go robbing a bank and, yeah. and like having heists and stuff, robbing yes. a stagecoat? Let's go rob a train. That's, yeah, that's, that's an experience sure. that people would eat up. Yeah, that's for sure shipping. Like, that, that, that it's is coming. coming. It's yeah, coming. That's, that's for sure coming. GTA 5 is already proven. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely doing that. <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> They're killing it. I'm happy for them. But like when everyone is like having trouble making Mass Effect again, <laughs> we have like No Man's Sky like completely blowing it with their marketing hype. I mean, you know, but it's GTA easy. is just Okay, I shouldn't say it. it's easy. Uh that's that's the wrong word. But it's 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 a lot it's a lot uh, you have a lot more cushion when you're stupid rich. Yeah. So you don't have to rush your titles out, right? You can take your right. time with it and, and deliver something great, right? Like, and when you have a lot of money to do that, to take that risk and take that time, then it's just, it's just golden, right? Like, you know, like right. other, uh, like no, definitely No Man's Sky did not have the luxury of money, right? Uh, those guys were, were broke, <laughs> right, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's broke, so- Broke, broke, broke. So they, they need to, you know, they need to some game, right, to make some money, right? So, right. so like, not everybody's in that position, right? And and Rockstar is in that position from the, from this the years of shipping, getting getting fortunate enough to ship some good games. Yeah. yeah, I just want developers to just not think there are shortcuts <laughs> to making insanely huge games. I just feel like. Every time a company tackles that, we read about them in the postmortem <laughs> section on <laughs> Kotaku. It just never, yeah. never works out. So, what, what kills me? No, what kills me about that is like, yeah, a lot of people are chasing after success, right? But nobody's out here trying to trying to chase after Pokemon. I don't understand why, mm. right? Like oh, they people, are totally. Um, you mean like Pokemon Go? Yeah. No, not Pokemon Go. I'm talking like just straight up Pokemon Silver, Black, oh. whatever, Crystal, whatever. Like all the all the hundreds of different types of Pokemon games that sell like 30, 40 million units, right? I, I don't see many Pokemon rips out there. Like people try to go after that, but everybody's trying to go, hey, how can I make a game that needs 600 people with 200 people, right? Or, you know, that's usually clones out there. Bad, yeah. yeah. But, like Pokemon, it's it's almost like wow. Pokemon created their own audience. Wow, created their own audience. You can't make a Wow killer. You can't make a Pokemon killer because exactly. their, their audience is so loyal and fixed into it. You can't really edge into that market. Yeah, but like I don't think yeah. Like can you edge into the open world game market, like the GTA market, like like that? You know what I mean? Like I I think it's I think we feel that that's the easier play than doing a Pokemon thing. And I um, I don't know if I agree. I think it's like kind of the right. same the same trouble you're going to have either way, right? If you don't right. differentiate yourself some other way, right? Well, now we're trying to solve Harvard problems of making more money in the games industry. 
<laughs> well, just don't let producers take a crack. <laughs> I feel like if you just start, start looking at the numbers and then and then just kind of like not talk to the whole development team about making it, that's where the trouble starts. Like, I feel like a lot of these postmortems I read about, they're mostly looking at, all right, how do we recreate the success of this game? Instead of like, let's just make a game that's fun mm-hmm. and then see if there's an audience for it. And then if there is, let's capitalize on that audience and see if we can do anything different to differentiate yourself from that genre. Like that's, that sounds more reasonable as a developer, but it's always like the money first mentality and then uh, taking that as the the goal for, mm-hmm. for everything else that drives it. And yep. it's always the trouble. So, yep. all right. Well, gentlemen, even though the coffee's cold, I just want to let you guys know it is about that time where we normally wrap things up and we let the guests say like, hey, I'm part of this charity or I, you know, I want you guys to go check this out. But mofos, it's a round table and we're not doing that charity shit tonight. I'm Larry Charles. I'm saying good night. <laughs> Hey, this is Brandon Fan. Thanks for joining us. Later, guys. See ya. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.